All right, here we are. This is AP and Spencer, two lawyers talking college sports and sports law in general. How are you doing today, AP? Doing good. Doing really good, Spence. We're on the eve of Turkey Day. Yeah. It's coming up next next week. I think um, you'll be celebrating Turkey Day, and I think I'm going to do it as well. We're going to do it safely, but we're going to we're going to get into some. We're turkey eaters. We're both, yeah, we're both we're, we're both turkey eaters and big eaters, right? You know? For that matter, yeah, exactly. And no offense to any turkeys out there. Is there any mascot named Turkey? Ooh. No, there are no turkey mascots that I'm aware of that are D1 anyways. There yeah. might be some in the D2, D3, NAIA r- rankings, but yeah. I don't know any turkeys off the top of my head. There are a couple of – there are a number of Gamecocks, right? Jacksonville State. Uh, South Carolina. South Carolina Gamecocks. So yeah. that's similar. Similar. Yeah. yeah. And the Chanticleers are bigger. Uh, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, one of your favorite teams. Oh, I love the name. Those are bigger chickens. I kind of like turkeys. Yeah, because when I think of a Chanticleer, I'm thinking when I look up in a foyer and you see it, that light that's hanging. That's a Chanticleer, right? right? Uh, no, no, that's a chandelier. <laughs> oh, okay. Close, close. All right. Close. All right. All right. So, so um, this is episode 12 uh, of season number two. We are, we are getting right into it. And we've got a lot to talk about because as you always say, and you always say this, there's always a lot going on with the NCAA. Yeah, I mean, daily. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you just uh, once a week, if you just kind of pull the headlines, you're going to find five or 10 things going on, especially in COVID times. And things change weekly. Rules are changing weekly. Compliance offices are scrambling to keep up with it. And so we're trying to bring you the stuff as live as we can as soon as we learn about it. So the first thing we're going to talk about today is the recruiting dead period. Now, the dead period has been extended over and over and over again. So what's the new deadline? Now? What's the what's the new dead period extended to? Yeah. So in all sports, the recruiting dead period, which if you, if you recall, is a time where you can have no in-person contact with recruits at all. And so that means they can't have unofficial visits, meaning they pay for themselves to get there, or official visits where the school pays for them to get there. It really hampers your recruiting. Basically, everything's done virtual. I mean, that's pretty much about all you can do and some phone calls and texting and that sort of thing. That's it. And so it's been extended in all sports through until April 15th. Wow. Spence. So, so that, I mean, so now you're, you're talking about not being able to have basketball players on campus to watch games uh, unofficially or officially. Cannot leave comp tickets. Can't leave comp tickets, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, giving that student athlete the opportunity to kind of feel the environment is a big you know, I know for, for BYU, for example, it, you know, you go to a Marriott Center, you, you're going to that school. You know, it's it's an incredible environment. But but other schools have, you know, you can't can't have the Cam and Crazies going crazy for Duke and watching watching these guys go. You know, you wouldn't be able to have that experience. I mean, we don't even know if they're going to be fans of these games, to be frank. But yeah, um, but that's a that's a big deal. So how so how are schools getting around that? Because they because I still see schools student athletes you know, committing to a school and saying, hey, I'm going to go play at wherever, uh, that's still happening. So how are schools still making those connections? Yeah, it's virtual recruiting. I mean, there's a mention here in the article that I'm reading, um, says members also voted to permit additional flexibility in virtual recruiting in football by allowing all coaches, full-time school staff members, and current students to conduct recruiting calls, telephone calls, video calls without accountable coach being present. So current students can make recruiting calls. That's never been the case. Right. You had to have accountable coaches do the recruiting in the past and the calls. You don't have to do that anymore. This says this flexibility proposed by the Fo- Football Oversight Committee includes volunteer coaches in the Football Championship Subdivision, FCS. 
The council plans to address similar flexibility for other sports at its December meeting. And so really the idea is let's give some flexibility to Zoom and FaceTime and phone calls and let the recruiting happen. And lots of different people, not just accountable coaches do it, but you're not, you're not getting that face to face. You're not sizing up kids. You're not walking through the hallways. Well, that makes sense to me actually, because I know that like when you have student athletes come on campus, I know my brother who was a student uh, swam at BYU, they would have athletes come and he would be like the, you know, he would be the person that would walk them through the campus and they would, you know, figure out, you know, where they're going to eat and stuff like that. So that, that's, that makes sense to me that they're allowing these students to make the connection because, you know, your superstar quarterback or, or, or basketball player or swimmer, whatever, calling this other swimmer and saying, let me tell you how it really is here. Yep. Right. That, that helps. Right. It really does. I mean, imagine if you're a swimmer Spence at BYU and you've got a guy you really look up to, it's been on the team for a couple of years and he gives you a personal zoom call. So Spence, I've been watching your, your, some of your tape, really want you here. Here's why. Here's what our family's like. That's going to mean a lot as opposed to you just uh, basically just get a couple accountable coaches and you really can't connect. What are my teammates like? I can't visit to go see. It really hurts a lot of recruits right now because yes, they can travel to the school on their own dime for an unofficial visit, but it's not an unofficial visit. It would just be them visiting the school. They're not able to have any face-to-face contact with anybody on the team at all uh, unless it's coaches sort of, players yeah unless the players sort of arranged it by themselves just and they were just total friends coaches and staff had nothing to do with it that would be really hard it wasn't recruiting related they right. like had a prior relationship but really that's going to get dicey the bottom line is yeah they're going to have to just come to campus and walk around and not really go to the athletic department because if they do they're going to get hey it's a dead period recruits can't be here right now and covid's going on and and it's a lot of the schools are working remotely people are working remotely and they might not be on campus it's gonna it's pretty tough and so um yeah i mean it's been hard for recruiting it's been hard for the recruits and this is going to go through april 15th spence i mean here we are in november I mean, that's five months away uh, of a dead period. That's a long, long dead period. But gosh, I mean, we could have a vaccine across the whole country by that time. Here's hoping. Now, the one thing that that this kind of leads me into is that next week, something pretty exciting for me, at least, is starting. Do you know what's starting next week? Next week, other than other than turkey, day. sweatpants and, and and mashed potatoes. That's right. That's the eating. But but college basketball starts oh, next week. That's right. And, that's right. You and love I, college. Basketball. I love college basketball. I, I I love college sports. You know. But that's your favorite. But college basketball is my jam. Yes, why Why do you prefer it over other sports? Well, for me, I you know it, it's you get to you get to have a there you know there's just five kids on the court. You get to know the players a lot more. Um, you know they're. Uh, but for me, what I love about college basketball is that you could watch any game, any college, any night, and you see two two teams that are going at it, and every player gives it, it give it gives it his or her all. I love that aspect because so so for me, watching college basketball, I could be watching uh, Niagara University of Niagara versus Evansville University. The purple, the purple aces versus the, the purple eagles, and I'm a happy camper. So it doesn't matter what game is on. You're not just looking for Duke versus Kentucky in some big. No, I don't. I, 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 I will watch those games because I love those games. But the same thing. Those kids are there. They're playing hard, and it's just so much fun for me to watch. And so I, and I, you know, I, I've been to the NCAA tournament, uh, March Madness, every year except for last year, for the last six years. And um, and th- those first round games are so fun. So you know, 
the plan was potentially this year they were going to be in Boise or maybe out in Raleigh or somewhere like that. We were planning on going. I was planning on going. But now they've announced that they're going to hold all of the NCAA tournament games in one location. No fans are allowed. And it's in a town that you and I have been to, probably, in Indianapolis. So how does that change, do you think? How does that change for these players? You know, you're not going to a regional location. Everybody's going to Indianapolis. How, do, how does that change the players' mindset? Yeah, I mean, they're going to be in one location a lot longer, right? And so in one sense, it's good. I think it's difficult as a student athlete to travel three and four different places all over the country um, to play different things. It's exciting, but that also can be a challenge. You have new hotels, flights, different places you're going. Where here you just get comfortable with your surroundings and, and it's like a bubble tournament like the NBA and this is where you're at, guys. Get used to your location, get used to the time zone, get used to the floor, get used to the smell of the facility, the rafters, the way the ball bounces and the way it sounds. You're going to be able to get used to that. And I think in some sense that makes a lot of sense for this year. It's probably going to save a little bit of money. Uh, it's easier to contain, put them in a bubble, but they're going to be away from friends and family for a good period of time. Yeah. I mean, you know, normally their families can travel. I don't know if families can go and do anything like that in this new bubble, but if they can't, that's they could be away from their family for several weeks. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, and, and then the other thing that it's it, – I mean, you know, like I said, I go to the NCAA tournament every year. Uh, we try to go. My cousin and I, cousin currently living in Germany – He's a loyal listener to the show, so shout out to Adam. Hopefully your knee's feeling better. But, um, uh, but yeah, it's been difficult. Last year we, ha you know, we, we had tickets. We were going to go to North Carolina. We had tickets, and we were all ready to go, and then they canceled it. You know? so, but what I'm curious is if there's a vaccine and people are allowed to have a vaccine and, and, and they have some type of a, of a, uh, of a checkpoint, could fans be maybe allowed in Indianapolis? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you had a checkpoint that said, hey, we're going to take your temperature or you have to prove that you've had a COVID vaccine in the last 90 days and you have some proof that you carry that's got your name on it, you know, maybe that maybe there's a way they could do it. You know, because what we're hearing, I mean, I'm no expert on this. I just hear the news like everybody else. But it talks about Moderna and Pfizer and some of these vaccines that have been 90 to 95 percent effective. They're applying for FDA approval. Like one of them did today, Friday. Um, and within 10 days, two weeks, we could have one or two vaccines that are FDA approved. Then they're going to start going to healthcare workers and elderly and symptomatic people in December and January and limited supply. By February, March, you're going to have regular Joes starting to get that vaccine. Well, if you got 80, you know, 50 or 60% of the population that have, have taken the vaccine, the numbers are way low. Well, they'll probably still do this bubble system, but maybe they'll allow fans to go. And maybe you'll be right there courtside. Yeah, I would love it. Absolutely. Not courtside. We usually sit up you're in the rafters. You're on the floor. Oh, all right. We sit up in the rafters. That's all right. But yeah. you're saying, but not only will regular Joes get this, but maybe even regular Aaron's also. Potentially. Uh, you know, that, I mean, yeah, and I would be courtside. I would be on the floor playing probably and then get myself carried out by security. But that's okay. You know, it's all fun and games. We're all, we all approach the games differently. Well, this certainly is making it more and more likely that the NCAA March Madness is going to go next year, yeah. right? And, yeah. and we know that it has to go. Yeah, and the planning had to happen now because, yeah, maybe we're going to be in a situation come March where COVID uh, is really lessened because of all the vaccines and we're in great shape, but they have to plan for it now and they have to plan for the worst. And then if it ends up being better, great. Well, let's have some fans there. It's still in the same spot because they can't plan for it in February. It's too late. Right. And we don't know exactly what it's going to look like then. And there are some great courts there in Indianapolis. I mean, we walked around. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, uh, we walked around Butler's 
Yeah, Butler's campus is right there. Mm -hmm. uh, the NCA headquarters, they've got a nice campus there that's uh, with a nice gym. So mm -hmm. there, there are gyms that are available there. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, hopefully an IUPUI has a gym right there in Indianapolis. Yes. Yeah. So. Well, they also have a, a large convention center there that potentially you could put five or ten courts and kind of divide them up sort of style, kind of like the NBA did in a giant hotel uh, area. And you could play four or five games in the same hotel. All right, let's play some basketball. How about that? Yeah, I'm let's I'm ready. I'm ready to. Who do you have picked as a favorite right now? Uh, well, I think BYU, of course. Yeah, no, that I, makes sense. I don't know. It's it's really hard because I haven't you you haven't seen I haven't seen any preseason games or so. Ask me that question in a couple yeah. of weeks after yeah. I've seen yeah. some games. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm sure the Blue Bloods are always going to be tough. Kentucky, yeah. Duke, always going to be good. Yeah. UNC. Yeah. Uh, BYU does have a heck of a team. BYU right. and USC are playing here in a couple of weeks. We're going to be watching that December first. December first. That's right. A lunch, uh, like I'm taking an executive lunch. We're going to watch that game. And and uh, I, you know, it's interesting. Both those teams are pretty good. USC has a decent basketball team too. Yeah. So we'll so find out. It's going to be fun. So, anyways, hopefully your team gets going, and we'll we'll be. Able, I know a lot of a lot of announcements of non-conference schedules are going out almost every hour right now. Yeah. Uh, so keep an eye out for your team, and hopefully your team has a great conference schedule and we'll get some basketball going. Absolutely. All right, so now normally that, that sound means what, AP? It means we're going to the phones. But this time we're not going to the phones. We're going to have a rules ad, which is going to be brought to us by who? By the law firm of Welch, Bruin, and Green. We're a law firm in Portland, Oregon that does social security. We do personal injury, workers' compensation, and collegiate sports law. That's right. So what kind of things can we do for collegiate sports law? Yeah, I think we could do most things a compliance office would do. I mean, we can do interpretations. We can do a rules ed document. We can look at your policies and procedures. We can create policies and procedures for you. We could do an audit for you. Uh, we can help with a waiver for a student athlete. Um, somebody that has lost their scholarship, we can help with that as well. There's a lot of things we could do. You just have to give us a call and, and uh, reach out. That's right. So you can give us a call at 503-221-0870. You could email us at collegesportsattorneys at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at skelly at wbgattty.com. Or you can email AP at? Yeah, aprice at wbgattty.com. All right, here we are, the AP and Spence, to Laura's talking college sports and sports law in general. For our rules ed, we've got a couple of interesting cases that we're going to be discussing. The first one isn't a violation yet, but there are some allegations going on against the Missouri tennis program uh, that we're going to talk about. Because what, what's here's what we know about this. Um, so basically, there were some there were some players with the women's the Missouri women's tennis program. They're alleging that the, uh, the program mishandled injuries and required that their players violate NCAA rules, and then that these NCAA rules have not, were not reported. They, they, to our knowledge, they have not been reported to the NCAA yet, but they're, I mean, I'm sure this, this article just came out five days ago, so it's probably on their radar for sure. But, but the bulk of the allegations surround the requirement for the, that they were uh, requiring these players to practice more than 20 hours a week and that they were scheduling quote unquote captain captains practices on flex days. So first thing, I know we've talked about this in the past, care rules. So tw 
working out more than 20 hours a week, that seems like no big deal. So what's the violation? Yeah, so there's a couple of things going on here. So there's care rules. And then a couple of years back, um, they sort of put in this kind of playing time, uh, time management kind of plan where players could get extra additional days off. You know, after their season ends, they get X number of days off that's required. They have to get flex days where they, they have to have certain days that are just off. They wanted to give the student athletes a little bit more time scheduled off because because coaches would love to just work kids to death. But they forget that they're, student, they're students, too. Right. right. And there they got classes and schedules and tutoring and they're balancing a ton of stuff. They're not just pros. They can't just be playing their sport. And so these flex days are built into the playing season. That's kind of the time management uh, kind of idea. And they're built in advance, and you, you're not supposed to be do any required workouts on those days. Well, CARA also involves where you're in season, it's 20 hours per week, out of season, eight hours per week. There's some 12-hour rules with COVID. COVID's kind of cr- created some weird kind of wrinkles, but the general rule outside of COVID emergencies is 20 and 8. Kara is countable athletically related activity. It's countable time working on your sport. And there's limits of it because they can't have just, whether you're a football player, basketball player, whoever, you can't just work out 24-7. You have some rules and you have some flex days that are supposed to be required off days for everybody. If you have Kara on that flex day, it can burn that day. And now you got to find a different day somewhere else and map it out. And it's a problem. And so what ends up happening, we talked about these captain's practices, right? It's okay if a captain just on their own says, you know, I'm a leader of this team. I'm going to see if I can round up a few people. We're going to get out there and get some workouts in. Now, if somebody doesn't really doesn't want to do it, I'm not going to force them. I'm not going to go tell on them to the coach. I'm just going to say, if you want to be a leader like me, you want to get better, let's get out there. If you don't want to, it's your choice, but I'd love to get you out there. That's okay. Now, if the coach whispers in the captain's ear, hey, I want to make sure you're getting everybody out there. Let me know who's not going. Right. Not okay. Right. You're getting reported back to you're putting pressure on the 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 coaches. You're at you are asking them to violate recruiting rules. You're trying to get extra practices that other people don't get. It is cheating because you're getting uh, obviously if someone one person said, hey, if I can practice 10 hours, you only get to practice five and then we're going to meet and play. Well, but it's a, a disadvantage. Right. And so that's kind of the, the gist of it here. So you can't have Kara, and the coaches are trying to get around the Kara rules here by using their student-athletes to sort of wink, wink, nod, nod. Let's get a little extra practice in. So a couple of questions. Are the Kara rules universal? Meaning do, do the same hours of amount of time that the coaches can spend with the players – I know that they change whether they're in-season or off-season, but like in the fall, you know, you, you have sports like men's and women's cross-country – uh, football, you know, did, so do the men's and women's cross country team have the same Kara rules that the football team has? Yeah, I mean, if they're if you're in season, you get twenty, uh, so everybody will get that twenty. If you're out of season, you get eight. Um, but if you're in a vacation period where school is not going, and you're in season, so let's say you're in December in football, right? School ends. You're getting ready for for the bowl. You're you're now you're in a vacation period. School's not in. You can get unlimited Kara actually during that period of time, but you still have your flex days that you've built in. So if you have, oh, December 13th is a flex day, we're going to have that day off. But then one of your kids uh, is asked by uh, one of the captains, hey, coach says we, you and I need to be out there and work a little bit more. And the kid's like, oh, really? Oh, shoot. Okay. And gets forced to do it. That's care. That burned your flex day. You went over on your playing season. Those penalties can be two for one. 
And so maybe the next year you can, you're going to lose a couple of practices, right. that sort of thing. It can be pretty serious. Um, so care violations has gotten Michigan in trouble in the past with a major. Um, so th these are, so care is one of those things where, you know, there's some, some out there that say, well, care is not a big deal. People aren't that worried about it. They are worried about it. And that's, that's an area where you can have major violations and things like jump forward. And those websites can help you with that because you can right. build in your playing season and it'll tell you when you put in your stuff, Hey, you're going over. If that's your plan, you're going over and it lets you be proactive. And so that's kind of, that's kind of the deal. But yeah, the playing seasons are sort of universal, but they move. And certain sports have to have certain amounts of time off, um, like men's basketball, for example. They had a rule. Sometimes you can have like a Pac-12 rule. Hey, you can't leave before, you know, 3 p.m. the day before the contest, things like that. So there's a lot of there's Pac-12 rules or conference rules. Then there's NCAA rules, and they differ. So you really got to know those and pay attention to them. Gotcha. All right. So the other rules and piece that we want to talk about, case that we want to talk about, is another one of these – Adidas type sca scandal type cases. So we talked a couple of weeks ago about Oklahoma State. This is Alabama. Now th this is a very minor infraction. They got they they got dinged, but not the significant one. But here's what happened. So here's what we know: a former uni University of Alabama associate athletic director violated NCAA ethical rules when he received money in exchange for facilitating a meeting between the father of a student athlete and a financial advisor. So basically all he did was financial advisor came to him and said, here, I'm going to give you a couple of bucks. It turned out to be $3,000. And what I want you to do is I want you to put me in contact with this, probably a premier student athlete's parents. And I want to start, I want to be their advisor. And I'm giving you this kickback, 3,000 bucks. So seems to me like this is a relatively minor deal, but so what's the violation? Well, it's ethics. And so it's pretty serious in that sense that, um, here's the thing. When I was at Oregon State, I had somebody I knew who was an agent contact me when I was working in the athletic compliance office. And they said, hey, we're looking at one of your kids and we're, we would love to find a way to get a meeting to that kid. Do you, can you let me know where their schedule is or can you tell the kid to meet me on campus at this and that? They wanted me to be a facilitator to meet them. And I said, no, 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 I'm not doing anything like that. Um, sorry, you're going to have to just go through appropriate channels. I can tell the head coach that you guys are interested in meeting the player. He's probably going to say that they can meet at the end of the year. I don't know. If you want me to pass along, I'll pass along. Right. I probably even pushed it even doing that, but I did get to the coach and the coach said, yeah, let's wait to that for the season. You're going to have influence over kids, whether it's admissions, whether it's eligibility, whether it's access to re re recruits or student athletes or agents or advisors. You can't use your position to, to kind of get money on the side for access. You're just not gotcha. supposed to do that. And so that problem is, is you're kind of improperly using, I mean, he probably could have gotten in trouble with the school himself. He shouldn't be doing that. And uh, the NCAA doesn't like that kind of stuff either. And you're like, no, schools, you guys are not going to work as in-betweens between agents and advisors. And that's the problem here. And so if you notice, he got a 10-year show cause order. Yeah, I was just going to get into that. So the, the this was a level one violation and, and yeah any yeah so it's a very major violation anything um anything that involves ethics is one of the worst and so this guy's gonna have trouble getting another job at another school maybe for the rest of his career uh, and i'm sure he's really really hating that um you know there's alabama's now on probation yeah, three um, years probation five thousand dollar fine plus one percent of the men's basketball program budget budget and then a 10-year show cause order yeah 
And so what, remind us again, what's a, what's a show cause order? The gist of it is kind of like a school that wants to hire him would have to show cause to the NCAA why that can be. Right. You know, and, 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 and why, why should you have that person on your staff? Because um, otherwise it's going to be a violation to have that person on your staff. And it's going to be hard for you to show that cause. And Why is that person uniquely skilled that you can't get it anywhere else? And um, so what it does is it's kind of a poison pill. I mean, if you're trying to hire somebody like, oh, this person doesn't have a you know, tenure show cause order, but we really need them in our office. People are going to say, it's ethics violation. I don't know. Let's go, so let's go a different direction. Right. Right. And so I feel bad for the guy. He made a mistake, but it could, it could haunt his whole career. And Alabama now is in trouble. I mean, if Alabama basketball has a major violation while you're on probation, you can get, you know, two-year bans on postseason. Postseason like and scholarship productions and stuff like yeah, that. So, so he's put him in hot water. This is Alabama. And, uh, yeah, I mean, never give access, never do, never use your influence to kind of gain um, access to players. Just go to work and do your thing. Well, but my question is, I hear all the time about NFL coaches calling college coaches and saying, or NBA coaches, tell us about this kid. You know, tell us, isn't that gaining access to the kid? Like they're calling and they're saying <laughs> to the coach, uh, you know, we want to we want to talk to you about, about what this kid's like. Yeah, I, you know, I remember when I was working at Oregon State and they were interested in one of our basketball players and the Indiana Pacers called. And they wanted to know uh, about the kid's background. Does he have any NCAA violations? Um, is he a good kid? Does he do his homework? You can give information to people, but if you're charging for the access, you're giving special influence, that's where it crosses the line. Otherwise, it's just asking some questions. What kind of kid is he? Right? And there's a difference line there. Now, if, if, if that advisor just asked this person, what's the kid like? Is he a good kid? What do you think? And, they, and he just told him about him. I think that's different than, hey, I'll hook you up, but you got to give me something on the side. Yeah. That's where that ethics kind of becomes. Now you're kind of enriching yourself um, at the expense of somebody else, and you shouldn't be doing that. And and so, you know, that happens, though. I mean, it's the difference between this, I think, Spence, is when someone says, hey, you know, I made a donation um, to the school, and I hope my kid gets in. He's applying right now. I'd love if he got in. If he doesn't, he doesn't. If he does, he does. Great. But it's his real transcripts. He's applying just like everybody else, normal channels. But, yeah, I did make a donation, too, and that'd be great if that was a factor. But if it's not, it's not. I think that's different than someone says, hey, I'll give you this donation contingent upon you getting my kid in through some back channels, right? It's the same kind of idea. There's well, that's, ethical and – Yeah, that's what happened with the uh, admission scandal that was last year, yeah, right? Yeah, That Well, I mean, that was going on right now last year. Yep. And and, and that was different, right, than, than I'm just giving a donation to the school. It would be great if my kid got in. This was them manipulating the system yep. and getting contact with the right people in the admission procedure – to to basically require that their kid got in. Yeah, and you gotta be really careful with this. Even when kids, like when I was at USC, when they would come about asking about um, insurance, like let's say a football player wants to take insurance in case they get hurt playing the sport and can't sure. go to the NFL. Sure. We can give them some quotes uh, from places, or we can give them a couple names of a few insurance advisors. But we got to be really careful that we're not influencing them. We're not recommending them. We'll just say, hey, we know of these three or four people. Uh, call them or call other people if you want. Do your own research. Do your own things. We want no part of it. We're just passing on a few names that we know about. That's a little different because it can get real dicey if all of a sudden one of the people say, hey, steer my way, and then we can toss a few bucks your way. That kind of stuff, you're going down a dark road every time that happens. Yeah. And don't do it. And and, and 3000 bucks. I mean, that's how much this guy made. It, it's it's uh, not worth it in the no, end, right? No, it basically wrecked his career. Um 
potentially for 3000 bucks, you know, I mean, uh, maybe there'd be some justification. People would say if he made 5 million bucks or 3 million bucks, but uh, even then you're still rep your reputation follows you. And now you could never work in that. You have to just go to some Island or whatever and buy a house, but, but you know what I mean? Like it, it's just in the end, do the right thing. You know, that kind of stuff's not right. If you're getting access, manipulating people, steering people for money and funds, that kind of stuff's going to get, you're going to get caught every single time, get yourself in the school in trouble. All right. Words to live by. All right, this is AP and Spence, two lawyers talking college sports, coming back. Uh, kind of a big story that we actually talked about a couple weeks ago uh, came to conclusion this last week with Greg Marshall, the head coach of the Wichita State. Do you remember their nickname? Wichita State Shockers. Shockers, that's right. I remember we decided whether that was a piece of wheat. It's a piece of wheat. That's it's a piece of wheat. It's a shot, yeah, shot. So he, uh, as if you recall, just give a little bit of a background. It was alleged that he had choked an assistant coach, punched a kid in the face, punched another kid in the face who had parked in his parking spot, had you know been rude and mean and said some pretty nasty things towards some of his players, racial derogatory type comments. Uh, he initially denied the allegations. I think he continues to deny them. But what has happened is he was uh, given a buyout, right? He has left Wichita State. How much did he get? I believe he got $8 million. I want to I want to do a little something for you. You know what happens in the media, Spence, and in sports? We throw around these millions, and it becomes kind of blurred, right? You just hear the $8 million, $12 million, 20 30 and it just sounds like a number. But I want to do it. So $8 million, right, Spence, uh, divided by 50. So that's like every week for an entire year, yeah. a little vacation there. I know it's 52 weeks, but it's, that's going to be essentially $160,000 a week. Whew. Take home. Think about that. So in, in, in a month, 4.35, you're looking at about just under $700,000 a month. That's, that's not too shabby. Not too bad, right? <laughs> 700 grand a month. Yeah, that that's kind, so, crazy. Yeah, so in a paycheck. So it would be like if you got a monthly paycheck. No, he's got to pay taxes. Right? Sure. So, so, let's say, so let's say taxes with Rainer. He's going to get a $400,000 roughly after taxes check every 30 days. That's not too shabby. So the question that I have, because immediately made me think of, a, of another coach by the name of Kevin Ollie, who was at UConn, he got canned a couple of years ago uh, for NCA violations. Basically, he had he had, had some impermissible contacts, uh, some workouts that were that had violated Carol, like we've talked about, and he got canned, and and UConn was able to forego paying this guy his buyout, which I think was ten million bucks. They didn't have to pay that to him. And, and he, you know, he's kind of been blacklisted. I don't even know where he's coaching now. Now, so the question is, how did, how did Wichita State, not, not necessarily a powerhouse in basketball, how are they on the hook for $8 million to this coach who choked out a player, or choked a player, hit a, or choked a coach, punched a player in the face, how how is that guy getting eight million bucks when Kevin Ollie had to walk away from got nothing for NCAA violation? Yeah, my guess is probably bad contract drafting. I haven't seen the contracts but for both coaches, but what I'm assuming is a lot of bigger schools started adding compliance um, outs in their contracts, and I think that's really really important. Any coach or staff member you have in an athletic department, I think, should have built into their contract. If you're found guilty for committing major 
level one or level two NCA violations, or you have repeated smaller NCA violations, your contract can be voided and your buyout is voided. What that'll do is force coaches not to commit a bunch of violations and then think, oh, well, I'm making my bailout. Your contract's voided. You don't get any. But I wonder if that was built into UConn's contract so they're easily able to void it and they didn't have to give them anything. But Wichita State did not have that built in. Or this doesn't really get at NCAA rules. It's more conduct. Maybe they didn't have that properly built in. Maybe it was one of those things where they said, um, yeah, if you're fired for cause, such as NCAA violations. And maybe they couldn't quite. Uh, because you would think you'd have a four-cause four out in a contract, but maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't draft it properly, or they couldn't pin this as four-cause. They couldn't clearly say it was. Right. I mean, they, they, they may not have been able to confirm the actual allegations. And maybe yeah. it was just he said, they said kind of situation. He denied it. They said it happened. And so they agreed to a to a to basically a settlement, right? And yeah. the, the guys bought out $8 million bucks. <laughs> Here you go. Please don't come back and coach here anymore. Yeah, yeah. And, and they never coach again. Yeah, that's but, right. Yeah, they may have put in a clause like you. In order to do this, you can't coach for five years or ten years mm-hmm. or whatever. And you know, not a bad gig, but but you know, you. I mean, you feel bad for guys like Kevin Ollie and other coaches. But that's why it's so important when you're going through these contracts that you that you get with someone who can read a contract and explain, and then also suggest to the coach right that you make sure that in your contract there is requirements that you're being instructed right yeah that's something that we've talked to coaches about yeah we yeah we've talked to to coaches now think about this d1 coaches and staff contracts are big business because coaches leave and take jobs yearly all the time and staffs are 5 10 15 people there's thousands and thousands of them you could have a law practice just doing coaches contracts at the d1 level and you'd be reviewing and writing and negotiating hundreds per year I mean, it would be now it's really complex, but yeah, you don't want to just sign off that. Yeah. If I commit any of those violations, you avoid everything. But I also want built in there that I'm, you're going to have a proper compliance office that's going to educate me on the rules. I'm going to know what to do. I don't want the burden just on me. I want it on you too. And then maybe the coach could get out of it. They made a violation, but it can be shown that was a mistake and they were improperly educated. You can't buy me out. Those kind of things are important. Yeah. I mean, and that just gets 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 right back to what we talked about earlier. It just is so important to make sure that you have those built-in protections, and that you know this is both for the school and for the coach, right? Mm-hmm. Or and for the you know you've got you got to make sure that the school is protected. You got to make sure the coach is protected. The best person to help you with a compliance contract, I'm telling you right now, is 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 if it, you're not a compliance contract, but just a contract for any college at the D1 level for any staff member or coach is going to be somebody that's obviously a licensed attorney in that area. And and at least is working with somebody that's licensed in that area and somebody that's got a compliance background because, because you're going to know the right terms, especially from the school's perspective, you're going to be able to say, you know what, if the coach does this, this, or this, um, they're out. Um, but if they intentionally do this or they do that, or they give access, you got to build all those terms in. And that way, when you have this big problem, you can oust that coach and not pay them anything. That's what you want. Um, you want to be, but coaches, they want that person too to know what they need to be educated on and how and how many times and how much frequency. 
um, so they don't get ousted improperly. They try to, we don't like this coach. They're a bad coach. They're not winning. Let's try to pin them with an NCA violation. I know that sounds dirty, but that kind of stuff can happen, right? If they get a little couple ticky tack violations, say, let's get rid of this coach. They've right. had a couple ticky tacks. Maybe the coach was misinformed. They weren't informed. And the coaches want to be protected on that as well. Yeah. Well, it, it's so it's interesting to follow that. that. That may be the last we hear of Greg Marshall for a long time at Wichita State. And he had built a heck of a program, taken to a Final Four just a couple of years ago, had a lot of big-time players go through there, NBA players, players overseas. So he had a lot of good players. And, you know, they were a top-20 program for a number of years. So it'll be interesting. it kind of makes me sad to see one of the smaller schools that had built into a pretty good program now probably not going to be able to continue. But we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Yeah. All right. So now AP is, is, is – I know this is your favorite – part of the show, which is your picks. Now, last week you went 4-0 again. 4-0 again. And you even picked an upset. Yeah, sometimes two upsets. So, so this time, you know, we're, we're going to be we're going to go through some games here. These are going to be tough games. There's going to be four of them. And we'll see how you do. I, I, I would be what shocked. What do you think my overall record is right now? What's your overall record? Uh, you are 30, let's see. I think you're 33-3. and three. Okay. If I All right. That sounds about right. Thirty-three so, and three. Let's see here. I, I mean, that isn't by. You can't have that by accident. Spence. No, no. That's that's skill. That's skill right there. So here we go. What is going on with my phone? Is really bugging me right now. Yeah, you got to stop watching TikTok I, videos here, right. Spence. So let's get back to the. <laughs> All right. Here we go. So we're going to start off with in the Big Ten. Top ten matchup, but a huge line. So we got Indiana at Ohio State. Number nine, Indiana at Ohio State. Ohio State is 20.5 point favorites tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock a.m. on Fox. Who do you got in that game? And Ohio State. Ohio State is just a lot better. Indiana's good. I just think they're artificially ranked right now. I don't think they've really played anybody. Um, they played a couple good people, but <laughs> Michigan's down a little bit. Ohio State's the real deal. I mean, they just they have a lot of talent on that team. I think that uh, they'll win big. I think that I can see them winning by 21 or something like that. And I think that just they're not going to lose this year. All right. Next game's a big game for for those uh, those teams that are in the group, greater five group, a group of five. Cincinnati at UCF. Cincinnati's five and a half point favorites, but UCF has a 56 percent chance to win the game. So Cincinnati 7-0, ranked number seven in the nation against UCF. Who do you got in that game? I've got Cincinnati winning that okay. game. Okay. Cincinnati. Right. I think Cincinnati's trying to be a playoff buster. And I think if you're somebody trying to bust into the playoffs, you want Cincinnati to lose that game. But I feel like they're going to find a way to win. I think it's going to be close. I think actually it could be seven to ten points. It's going to be a battle, but I think Cincinnati finds a way to come on top. All right. Next game we're going to go back to the Big Ten. Uh, Wisconsin, 2-0 Wisconsin, ranked number 10 in the nation, playing number 19, Northwestern. Northwestern's been a bit of a surprise. This is at Northwestern. Wisconsin is 7.5-point favorites. Who do you got in that game? I got Wisconsin by 10. All right. That's, you're, you're pretty confident about that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm picking road teams. I think, yeah, I feel like Wisconsin's a better team. They're going to win that game. Okay, now do you want to – your next pick, I, I'm going to give you two options. Do you want to go with your heart or your mind here on these last pick? On this last heart. Pick? Heart, baby. Okay. That's what I'm about. Spence. All right, because I was going to go Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Oklahoma's seven-point favorite. But we won't go there because we're going to go with your heart here. Mm -hmm. USC, your heart, versus at Utah. Utah has not played a game this season. USC's 2-0. Two close games, hard-fought games, down-to-the-wire type games. 
USC is a three-point favorite at Utah. Who do you got and why? Yeah, so USC is, uh, you know, they played a little bit rusty. They're 2-0. and uh, They won both of their games. Arizona State was a pretty good team. Arizona was okay, but they were on the road. And USC just, I don't think they've came into their own yet. Uh, they're still learning a few things. They have a, all, all new coaches, basically assistant coaches on that staff. They're trying to figure a few things out. I think they're going to get it rolling finally this game. And Utah's a good team, but they don't have, they're going to have the crowd. That's really what fosters that environment. Um, you know, again, another tough road battle, but I think USC wins this by 14. And I could see them. I think they're going to score some points. They're going to open up the playbook a little bit. Usually by game three, they start opening up the playbook. And so I think it's going to be a 35-21. USC is going to go to 3-0. and And at that point, they've pretty much taken the south um, because of the rest of the schedule, they should be favored by 17 or 21 and all the rest of the games they would have to lose two at that point they're not going to lose two of the last three so i think usc if they win this one they can start getting uh shining up their sneakers for oregon in the championship all right all right those are some pretty bold picks just just as a bonus pick liberty eight no liberty playing nc state nc state's four and a half point favorites but liberty has already beaten two acc schools you know this won't count for your official four we're gonna we're gonna this is a bonus pick. Liberty, if Liberty wins this, they will have beaten three ACC schools. Liberty, <laughs> NC State, who do you got? NC State. Liberty's luck is going to run out this weekend. Okay. And you don't want to ask me about BYU, Spence. Well, BYU is playing Northern Northern Alabama, and we're 47.5-point favorites. This is an FCS school. Uh, they were not, they're not going to cover. They're not, BYU won't cover. They'll, okay. win, they'll win by 30. Okay, all right. We'll see. It'll be an exciting game nonetheless for people who like watching offense. <laughs> All right. Well, we uh, hope everybody's doing, being healthy and safe. Everybody celebrate responsibly out there for Thanksgiving this year. Uh, it's a weird year, but, uh, you know, make sure to be with your family and be, and be safe out there, right? Absolutely. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble.